welcome to the Open Government Podcast. I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasa. Each episode of the Open Government Podcast, we bring you an interview with someone working on open government and citizen engagement in their community. And today we have Dan Swizzle, the Senior Partnership Officer at the National Democratic Institute, who also helped found OpeningParliament.org, a forum where more than 160 civil society organizations focus on the openness and transparency of legislatures in over 80 countries. He also happens to be the lead or one of the leads for the Open Government Partnership's Legislative Openness Working Group. Now, Dan, let's start at the beginning. Can you give us some more details about OpeningParliament.org and your accomplishments so far? Sure, Richard. Thank you. Um, let me, uh, I guess I'll start at the beginning um, and sort of why we have been working on open parliaments. Um, your podcast focus on open government and in the open government sphere, um, I think there's a, a numerous different branches of government and institutions that people are kind of focusing on. And one of the reasons the reason why we focus on legislatures is we, we see them as very important and sometimes left out. Um, in, you know, with all the open government space, um, we've seen a rise in citizen expectations. Citizens can now get so much information at their fingertips. You know, they can comment on any product or any news story online. And yet with governments, governments often are still stuck um, a century or two behind using, uh, you know, these institutions where that were developed in the 19th or 18th centuries and have slowly kind of come up to speed with all the technological um, innovations that have taken place. And I think that's especially true with legislatures. And so citizens are often the ones that come to fill the gap. However, legislatures are often left out of the open government equation. You see a lot of work being done with the open government partnership with the executive branch of, on, on cities um, because so much innovation is taking place there. And, and oftentimes there's less work being done on, on legislatures, I think. Uh, even though in, in my personal view, I think that they're probably the most important branch in the democratic equation because of uh, the fact that they're supposed to be closest to citizens, that they're the key representative branch of government. They have the power to make policy, to have oversight. They have a constitutional mandate. They have competition between multiple parties and stakeholders. And really, in addition to that, they're also the most deliberative, which may mean in, in a lot of cases they might be the slowest uh, to, to work and to innovate. So there's been this gap um, where legislatures aren't um, – coming up to speed with the innovations that are taking place. And a lot of times civil society organizations have filled that gap by, you know, monitoring the work of parliaments, releasing open data about parliaments, creating new mechanisms for citizens to engage with their legislatures. Uh, and so in 2011, NDI and the World Bank did a big survey of these organizations and what they're doing around the world. And we found more than, I think, almost 200 of them in, in countries all over the world doing very similar work, but not often connecting with each other, even though they were confronting similar challenges, regardless of the country that they were in. Um, we uh, brought all these groups together from about 40 countries for an initial conference. We um, created a set of standards uh, called the Declaration on Parliamentary Openness that basically says what civil society thinks an open parliament should look like. Uh, and in 2012, we launched this online network of these organizations, which, as you said, has now grown to 160 organizations in more than 80 countries um, and at openingparliament.org. Um, 
initially, as I said, it was it was created to share best practices among these civil society groups to advocate at a global level for uh, openness reform. Over the course of the last few years, what we've seen is more and more opportunities to work with legislatures directly. So MPs have uh, MPs and legislatures and international associations have uh, endorsed the standards that these civil society organizations have created, from the OSCE to um, you know the the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association to parliaments like the Parliament of Portugal or. Um, the parliamentary leadership in Peru, you know, have taken the opportunity to endorse these standards and create mechanisms where civil society organizations can work directly with legislatures to innovate and do better around issues of openness. And, and we've kind of moved our focus to creating those uh, synergies and, and opportunities for uh, parliaments to work together with citizens for to create better processes. Um, that leads me nicely into the Open Government Partnerships uh, Legislative Openness Working Group. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with OGP and and the the mechanism by which it gives CSOs an equal seat at the table with with governments. Uh, the Legislative Openness Working Group was created uh, to first of all address the commitments being made that relate to legislatures, but also to fill a bit of a gap that existed where legislatures weren't participant weren't involved in the OGP process. Um, and so uh, the members or participants in the, work, in the working group are MPs, their legislative staff, and their civil society organizations all kind of working together around uh, common issues to enhance the openness of, of legislatures participating in OGP. Um, and I think we're, we're still thinking about even further ways to uh, create new, not institutions, but new forums and mechanisms by which MPs can sit side by side with CSOs, civil society organizations, and work together around this agenda. So, so Dan, you've given us a lot to unpack there, and I know uh, not all of our listeners have uh, have read the declaration on uh, on parliamentary openness, and I br- recommend that they all do right after they listen to this because it's quite an impressive read. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions about you know how people are adopting these kind of standards and mechanism, and perhaps those two questions are actually one. You mentioned that legislatures are sometimes left out of the conversation. So, the questions I have are: What is the role of legislature? legislature in in this kind of open government um, movement? You've spoken that they're often left out. So what is the role of legislature? And how should institutions, particularly legislatures, evolve to meet that role? Sure. Uh, That is another big question to unpack. So here we go. Uh, (laughs) So uh, the role of legislatures, I think, and I started addressing this a bit. um, Well, there's two ways that you think about legislatures in the open government space. One is open legislatures themselves. So the transparency and openness of the actual legislature, of the work that the legislature is doing, of all the data that the legislature is releasing. And then secondarily, it's how it interacts in the entire open government ecosystem. So if you have governments making commitments and new, uh, having new uh, initiatives around open government, legislatures obviously have an oversight role there to uh, basically... Uh, sit down and determine the you know the way in which government is implementing these uh, these changes. Government, in terms of the entire open government sphere, sphere, it's impossible to do a lot of open government work unless you have uh, policy and law behind it. And so, legislatures have a huge role there. And oftentimes, you know, uh, and reforms are impossible, especially at the national level, unless there is 
legislatures uh, behind it. Uh, another another issue is in terms of sustainability of open government reforms. Um, when a government or a part of government ministry makes an open government reform, you know what's to, to uh, what's to keep that reform from actually staying there when power transitions to somebody else. And so legislatures, because of the nature of the the uh, the political nature of legislatures, the involvement of numerous political parties, uh, basically the role of legislatures uh, create a long term sustainability for for legislative reform. And then uh, I guess one more role, and this isn't totally comprehensive, but I'm just kind of listing some of the things that come to the top of my mind, is legislatures are meant to be the branch of government that are closest to the people and that, you know, people elect their representatives to represent them or to represent their district or their party, uh, you know, on a party list, depending on the country you're in. Um, and, And so there's a direct line of accountability, or there should be, um, from representatives to citizens. And oftentimes when citizens are trying to get their voices heard, the legislative branch is the place that they need to go to do that. You mentioned a couple of times this, uh, the issue of party politics in this conversation. I'm wondering, have you found any kind of politicization of opening up legislatures? Is, is it kind of like becoming the climate change of politics, that some parties are more in favor of it and other parties are against it? Or are you finding that this is very much party neutral, that all parties on board is just a matter of execution? You know, it's, it, it is funny. I think most lawmakers in, in you know, strongly democratic countries are going to say that they're pro-transparency. And, and really, most or all of them are, um, you know. Uh, and the question is, is there interest in moving forward on the agenda? Is it at the top of their list of things to do? Um, oftentimes, we see, I think, opposition parties moving the issue of transparency more quickly than, uh, than parties in the majority, just because of the nature of opposition politics. Um, but, you know, in working in the Legislative Openness Working Group, we work across the political spectrum from, you know, far right wing, far left wing, conservative, liberal. It doesn't really matter. We have there's really broad buy in on this issue. Um, but oftentimes it is a question of how you can get it on the agenda. So before we wrap up, I wanted to just go back to that comment that you said that legislatures are meant to be the branch of government that are closest to the people. And as you may know, in, in, in a lot of governments, um, people feel the opposite. They feel that the people, the people in the legislature are actually the most distant and the hardest, hardest to reach. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned in the Declaration on Parliamentary Openness is this kind of idea of promoting civic education so that people start understanding parliament rules, procedures, the idea that legislature is that close to them and is their voice. What would you say are some tangible things that we can start to do to promote that civic education and to really start bridging that gap that we see? Yeah, that's a, a very good point. And I, and I think I would extend not just legislature, but really national level government often feels alert, a lot further away than local government. And in the open government space, I think you've seen a much bigger concentration on work on local governments just because it's, it's kind of easier to do. Um, it's easier to see results when you're talking about projects around service delivery or around um, connecting with citizens. You know, national level governments and legislatures represent a huge number of citizens from country to country. And it it is often very difficult for uh, national level legislatures to grasp with, you know, now very increased demand 
demands from citizens who are able to just sign on Twitter and say whatever they want to say or organize uh, to say what they want to say in a way that they weren't in past decades, um, you know, given now that we have the Internet and all these new methods of communication. Uh, one of the big problems, you know, it doesn't matter what country you're in, United States, Afghanistan, you know, all the way across the spectrum, you're right, is is civic education and educating citizens around uh, what governments are doing and how you can uh, and what you can contact them about and how you can contact them uh, or how you can be play a role in the legislative process. And, and we have found really interesting ways in which, you know, civil society groups, citizen groups are bridging that gap by providing information and education about what legislatures do, providing new methods to contact uh, your legislature, whether it's in Germany, there's a great uh, platform called Watch, and I'm butchering that because I don't speak German, but uh, it allows, um, you know, citizens to just post questions to their MPs, and citizens have posed about half a million questions, and about 80% of them have gotten answered. Um, to, uh, you know, other, uh, basically just other organizations just releasing information about what the government is doing. And in, in, in dozens and dozens of countries, we see citizen groups doing that. Um, and, you know, we need to find ways for legislatures to fill that gap themselves. Um, we, you know, we often say we don't know the best solution. What we're trying to do is is see what's happening in the community, find what's working and, and publicize that. And really the legislatures that are experimenting are the ones that I think are going to be the leaders in, in solving some of these problems. So, um, for instance, in Brazil, the Chamber of Deputies uh, in the last year or two uh, or last year launched a hacker lab, which is something we had never seen before, uh, where they have a space in the parliament where where technologists and developers can come in and work with MPs and legislative staff to create new tech tools um, to solve problems that the legislature is confronting. So I think it's these cases where legislatures are really experimenting with new ideas and bringing citizens into the process where we're going to see some of these problems start to be solved. Well, it's pretty amazing what you've been working on and, and on such a large scale as well. So we're glad that uh, there's someone like you not forgetting about the openness of legislature because we always talk about open data and, and looking at records and FOI, but the legislature is also very important. So thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today and please keep doing the great work you're doing. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was Dan Swislow from San Francisco, California, on the Open Government Podcast. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach Dan on Twitter at DanSwislow, D-A-N-S-W-I-S-L-O-W, or on the website openingparliament.org. And, of course, you can always send us questions on our hashtag OGTPod. Thanks, as always, to Keith McDonald for the intro and outro music for the podcast. Until next time, I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with our next interview with someone in the Open Government community. Thank you.